In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have the zuchot of speaking to Rav Yoni Rosenzweig. Rav Yoni is Rabbi of Netzach Menashe and Bet Shemesh and is a renowned teacher of Halacha, Gemara and Jewish thought. He previously served as Rosh Kolel of Mizrahi Melbourne, then returned to Israel to Yeshivat Hamivtar and became Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshivat Shevut Yisrael in Efrat. Avioni currently teaches at Midrashat Lindenbaum, has degrees in education, philosophy and history, and is the author of Yisrael Lev, a three-volume responsor on different halakhic questions, and soon to be published, Nafshi Besherati, on halakha and mental health. Ravioni, how are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for having me uh, on your podcast. Thank you so much for joining. It's real zikhut. So it's Desert Island and Torah. Which three pieces of Torah would you bring with you to a desert island? What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really looking forward to finding out and learning with you today. So let's jump straight in. Um, we're ready to go with your first piece of desert island Torah. Sure. Um, my first piece um, of uh, desert island Torah uh, would probably be um, the book. I mean, it's a full book, so I guess I'd pick a piece out of the book. But uh, the book is Halachic Man by Rav Yosef Dosel of Egypt. Um, I come from a house uh, that is very uh, brisker in its uh, methodology and thinking. And Rav Soloveitchik was a significant inspiration uh, when I was growing up. Um, and I uh, I kept learning um, throughout uh, my life his books and uh, his words. And one of the ideas uh that I think is very much highlighted in the book, and the book is a, a difficult book to read, so I don't know how many people actually get through it and understand it, but the, I think one of the most important ideas over there uh, that the Rav tries to put forth is the idea that um, we need to create an ideal world as a vision and strive towards it rather than simply becoming obsessed with the real. Um, and this might seem like a simple idea, but actually it's very, very potent. I think when, you know, when people are looking around, let's say, at uh, political structures or even at uh, religious structures, right, they become a little bit um, obsessed with what is. And they think that what is is the best that it could be, right? So if it's a, if it's a school or if it's a yeshiva or if it's a rabbi or if it's, doesn't matter what it is. Right, people might say, "Oh, you know, like look at this. This is so wonderful, so great, you know, etc." Who would want this to ever change? And on some level, right, when we were—and this is no offense to you or your viewers—but uh, when you know, when we sat in, in, uh, in uh, you know, out of out of outside of Israel for many many years, you know, we also believed that that you know was the best that it could be. You know, at some points in time, you know, when things were really good for Jews, uh, you know, people say, "Oh, how could it get better any better than this?" You know, and they they. I think that's a very important and interesting point to make. Um, I think personally, and I think this can relate to a lot of our listeners as someone who lived in Israel for a year and studied in Israel for a year. Um, I think once you have that experience and you like come home and you see something different, you realize I think the importance of living in Israel and what it means to live in Israel and even though we might live in communities wherever we live outside of Israel that thrive and have everything available to us I think there is that difference um, once you've actually lived there and you 
see and fulfill and experience everything. And I think that uh, what we see with Rosh Hashanah is that he says the halacha in its entirety um, includes also those things that don't exist today. We learn about the mikdash. We mourn for the mikdash. We learn about korban, about sacrifices. We learn about all these sorts of things that don't exist today. So one might say, oh, that's not relevant. Why don't people learn things that are only relevant? And the answer is that when you become addicted to relevance, what you're basically doing is many times you're becoming addicted to the way things are and not the way things should be. So yes, there are many things that are more relevant than many topics in the Torah, but we are supposed to learn about the way the world is supposed to be, the ideal picture of it. Paint that picture, create that picture, create that ideal, that principle, let that lead us, rather than uh, being addicted to the news cycle and seeing, oh, this is what's relevant now. 100%, so important. It's so important to think about the now and how we can think about society um, and connect that to our connection to our Shem and Torah. And I think that is definitely something that Rob Soloveitchik does. I know through The Lonely Man of Faith, which is one of my favorites, um, halakhic man also. Um, and it's so important to really take the halakhic aspects and our society and merge them together and think about what we can do now. Really important message. Yeah, 100%. And I and I uh, I think that that uh, you know when when the Rav talks about the halachic man, um, I think that many times it seems like a bit of a dry sort of personality. Like halacha is this is just law, you know, it's just you know legality. That's what it's about, you know. So therefore, it might seem like something which is once again a little bit boring, a little bit pale, a little bit disinteresting, you know. But really, what uh, what the halacha is about. Is um, is taking lofty ideals and grounding them in reality, you know. And we many of us have big ideas, you know, things that we want to do, change in the world. That's all very nice and good. Um, but to take those ideas and to make a change with them, that demands going into the nitty gritty, into the little details, right? As I'm sure for this podcast, you know, you had a nice idea, right? But you also probably had to make sure that you can somehow get this idea off the ground. There were certain details that you needed to buy the right microphone, maybe you needed to figure out, you know, like in what room to do it so that it comes out well, you know, whatever it is, right? Those are the little details. Halakha is, it's true, it's about details, but it's the details that eventually create the final product. And therefore we must focus at the end of the day on those details. And once again, not just the details of the here and now and the real that we're dealing with, but also details of the, the future, of what could be, of a reality that we want to strive for, to deal with those things as well. Rav Soloveitchik also deals with this whole notion of finding our voda, which is in his essay the, for the community. And it's in the book Confrontation and Other Essays, but this essay is the first essay and it's specifically about um, the community. And what does that mean? And... He addresses a really, really important point, which has become a really, really integral and essential um, kind of aspect of the way I live and the way I kind of look at halacha, look at my interaction with people, with Hashem. And it's about finding our avoda. And ultimately, man was created in a way that 
he or she, man or woman, has a message to communicate with this world and we all have our own unique avoda. We all study different things, we all fulfill different paths and we do different things and we were created alone in order to find that and then we have to take that and bring it to the community and create kind of a klal. And I think in connection to what we've been saying, I think that's very relevant to making halakha relevant, making ideas relevant within Torah and halakha, um, in that we really can find our place and find who we are as individuals and bring that to the world as a whole. So are we ready to go on to your second piece? Of course, sure. Um, I, uh, I grew up in... Um, I went to Yeshiva uh, in Maladunim. Maladunim uh, is a, a city next to Yerushalayim. Um, and uh, it's, it has a Yeshiva there. It has the Yeshiva where I went. I spent eight years there. And my Rebbe was Rabbi Nachum Alez Rabinovich, uh, who also actually was in Jews College for a while, but it was called Jews College. Um, LSJS. Right, back in the day. Um so, uh, you know, so he was uh, there and then he came to Israel to be with Shiva. And he, um, he had a very interesting philosophy, uh, of Judaism. And, uh, there's a few things, of course, that I learned from him over the years. But one of the main things, and it might sound once again trivial, but I don't think that it is, is that he was saying that halacha and Judaism in general need to lead a person Towards a good life. That's that, that's the goal of them. That's the goal of those things. I love that. Meaning, it cannot be that halacha would lead a person to living a life that isn't good for them. The Rambam, in his Guide to the Perplexed, talks about this, and he says, you know, that to, do bad things occur to people as a result of living an orthodox life? Yes, of course, bad things do happen sometimes as a result of living an orthodox life. But that is an anomaly. It should not be the rule. If we have a law on the books that causes the majority of people uh, strife, pain, suffering, etc., etc., right? Um, that is That can't be a good law. It can't be a law that, um, that is positive, and we must be misinterpreting it or misunderstanding it if that's there, right? So his philosophy was, Right, the Torah is meant to to uh, help the individual, help the community to rise up, to uh, be better than what they are currently, um, and that we should view the Torah through that lens. And to me, that's a very potent message. Right? When I look at the uh, at the Torah once again, that is what I look for. You know, I cannot imagine. That the Torah is desiring in any way to be bad to people. That doesn't mean we don't have things that are that demand sacrifice and demand difficulty, you know, etc. Of course, right? So a person sometimes has to lay down his life even for the Torah. And certainly we're coming off a Yom Kippur. It's a fast day. Fasting is not easy, right? I'm not saying that, that keeping the Torah is easy. That is very different than what I'm saying, right? Keeping the Torah, keeping the Allah is a challenge. However, at the end of the day, the goal of the entirety of Torah is to give people a good life. It is not for them to live in ways of uh, 
distress and suffering. And I think sometimes people do think that. I think sometimes people say to, say to themselves, you know what, if it's not hard, it's not Torah. I don't think that that's true. Yeah, I think a Torah can be hard, but it doesn't have to be. I think many times it is beautiful, it is loving, it is caring, it is something you can connect to, you should connect to. Um, so that's something that I learned from my Rebbe, Rebbe Nobis. So inspiring. It's so nice to take things that we learn from our Rebbe's and apply them to our lives. It says in Yeshayahu, your eyes should see the image of your teacher. And I think it's so important to take teachings and apply them to our lives in such a way and really live a life according to such teachings and think of the Torah in such an important, inspiring and unique way. 100%. Um, so that that's definitely something that I think is um, very important for people to hear, especially today. You know, we uh, that we have both sides that we need to give towards Torah, but we also should be able to receive. Definitely. And it's so important to make the Torah our own. This podcast is about, obviously, three pieces of Desert Island Torah, which speak, and it's all about taking things that speak to us a lot and mean a lot to us. And I think we can take the Torah, the whole Torah and use this teaching and kind of make it apply to us and how we can go forward. Are you ready to go for your third piece of Torah? Um, Yeshiva Haritzion, which is probably well known to you, maybe also to your listeners, uh, which um, is in Gush Etzion, in Olam Shavuot. Uh, one of its uh, founding rebbe's was Rav Yehuda Amidal. Uh, and I did not learn there. My three brothers learned there. Uh, but uh, I once read a piece of his, which also affected me significantly. Uh, Amidal wrote a piece called Lo uh, Hakol Halacha. Not everything is Halacha. And so now, Right, both of the pieces that uh, the first two pieces that I mentioned are somewhat halachically minded. Yeah, they talk about the importance of the halacha, what it's meant to do, how it's meant to shape your life, etc., etc., etc. And this piece that Brahman Nital wrote, uh, which was very interesting to me, you know, basically said we have a tendency to halachicize. Yeah, I think I think we see that by the way, not just in religious law but in secular law as well. Yeah, when people want to, in a sense. Uh, a little bit force their will upon someone else, they'll take it to court, right? They'll take it to court. They'll, they'll say, oh, we'll pass a law. We'll pass a law, you know, in parliament or whatever it is, you know, it said, we'll pass a law, right? So what happens when you when you pass a law? You make something into a legal obligation, right? It would be nice if we could be decent to each other without laws to govern those things. But sometimes we're not able to do that. So then we have to pass a law, right? But we lose something when we pass a law, right? When we lose, we lose something because then it's an obligation to do so and so and so. And we no longer do it voluntarily from our own uh, free will. Uh, we just must. We simply must do it. Right? So that's important because we try to legalize things that are important to us. So it's a, it's a sign of, of devotion to a specific ideal. We want to legalize it. But like I said, we do lose something. And with regards to uh, Judaism, many things are legalized, right? Questions are asked, and therefore answers are given, and the answers become law. And it's like, okay, now this rabbi said it, and this rabbi said it, and this rabbi, okay, so now we must do it, right? Which I'm not saying we don't have to do it, but once again, we, we lose something when we turn everything 
into a legal thing? What about philosophy? What about emotion? What about tradition? What about other factors that come into play, right? If I come into your kitchen and I tell you to do something that your mother never did, right? You might say, well, my mother never did that, right? That's tradition. And you might say, okay, but is it right or wrong? And the answer is not always so binary, like black and white, like, oh, it's right or it's wrong. Sometimes it's just like there are different traditions about that. And while I may prefer a certain tradition as a rabbi, perhaps you should follow the tradition of your ancestors, you know, of your mother and her mother and her mother, you know, and not to assume that everybody was doing things wrong just because I saw in a book somewhere that it says differently, right? Yeah, we need to take into account the fact that there are other sorts of forces that are also important in shaping our Judaism, right? So uh, a decent philosophy of religion will recognize that, you know, and give space also for those other things, right? So if I just um, give one more example of that, right? So let's say Midrashim, right? Many times... We are we're sitting in a Torah class, and someone will mention the Midrash. And many times people will say words to the effect of, oh, it's just a Midrash, right? As if, you know, it being a Midrash is somehow lesser, right? Like if the Mishnah Bura says something, and he says, this is the Halacha, we must follow that. But if Rabbi Akiva just said a nice idea, okay, well, whatever. You know, like read it. We kind of like say, okay, that's nice, but I don't have to follow that, right? Yeah, I was going to say that the. And like example of machloka and like. So the answer is, you're right. You don't have to follow it. That's the beauty of it. Is that you don't have to do anything with it. You choose to do something with it. Not everything needs to be in the realm of have to. Some of the things should be in the realm of want to. And it would be nice if you know we could um, have reverence and respect also for those texts uh, that. Don't force us to do anything, because once we do have reverence and respect for those things, then I think that we'll find that they can many times rejuvenate and inspire our lives uh, much, much more. Absolutely. Such an interesting point. Why is that so important to you? Why would you take it with you to a desert island? <laughs> it's important to me because uh, it's important to think outside the box, you know, with, with regards to these to such things. Right. Like I said, our we have a certain internal resilience, and that resilience will come from us believing in ourselves to some extent, right? We always look for outside uh, verification, validation, right? What does this person say about me? What does that person say about me? You know, et cetera. We, many of us are insecure, yeah, and insecure to the extent that we're not willing to trust ourselves. So we look in a book for it to tell us what to do. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing in and of itself, but it's a bad thing when it comes from a space where a person is completely unable to trust their own emotions, their own feelings, right? So if you have a feeling or an emotion that is very, very strong, if you have a notion that you think is significant, right, that is also God speaking through you. Hashem didn't just give you a brain, he gave you a heart, right? And if you trust your brain to learn things and to interpret things and to understand things, you should also trust when you have a very strong gut feeling. It doesn't, once again, even with your brain, right? when you have a logical thought, doesn't mean that you're absolutely right, but it means you're onto something. Same thing with a, with a feeling, with an emotion. Does that mean you're absolutely right? No, it doesn't mean you're absolutely right. I could have an emotion that's wrong, right? If, if I was on in a conversation with you right now and you felt like I said something that was offensive towards you and I never meant it that way, 
just because you felt it doesn't mean that it's what happened, right? right? So just if you feel like, oh, but it should be this way or it should be that way or whatever it is. I'm not even going into the details right now of what should be done, what shouldn't be done. We're not going to start talking tactical side of things. But I'm saying when people feel strongly about an issue, even if it seems to run counter to Torah ideals, it's worth investigating where is it that you feel strongly? Why is it that you feel so strong? Not just that this discounts it. No, oh, forget it. Yeah, like, you know, it doesn't matter, right? If people said that because that the Torah doesn't allow women to be part of the minion, that that means the Torah doesn't care at all about feminist ideas and discounts women completely, I think that's the wrong message. I don't think that, I don't think that that's true, right? Those things are not the same. So if you have a feeling that seems to run counter to what the Torah says, don't discount it because of that, you know? Investigate what the Torah has to say out of respect, and out of out of a feeling of, of deference, but at the same time, hold on to that feeling that you think is so important, so central to your being, because it'll lead you to a place that I think is very, very positive if you keep that tension alive between yourself and the Torah. Absolutely, so important, and it's such an important message for today's world, um, and taking Torah in today's world and our personal lives, um, and it's really important to think about and remember. Absolutely. I think that if you, if I just meant parents is a very good example. Yeah. Most people love their parents and respect their parents, etc., but also disagree with their parents, meaning about certain things. Their parents will say certain things and they'll say, well, okay, I, I don't feel the same way. Right. But what happens in that situation? So there's a tension between what you and your, and your parents are thinking, but because they're your parents and because you have respect for their opinion, and you love them and, and, and like what they've done for you over the years, you, you keep it in the back of your mind. You're like, I disagree with that, but maybe they have a point. I don't know what the point is. And I don't know how to reconcile what I feel and what they're saying. You know what? I'm going to keep it around, right, in my head because I have respect for them. I have deference for that to, towards them. I think that they are smart people who know what they're doing and know what they're saying. So I'm not just going to discount it out of hand just because I happen to disagree with it. I'll think to myself, you know what? Maybe someday I'll understand what they were trying to say. And many times we do. Many times we grow up a little bit. And there's if there's a text or there's something that someone told us, whatever, and we didn't understand it three or five or seven years ago, suddenly we're like, oh, you know what? I get it now. I get it now. I understand what's going on. Yeah, it's the same thing with the Torah. You know, you we have a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things. You know, it's you don't you don't have to disregard your own feelings, but you shouldn't disregard the Torah. Either. Absolutely. Really, really important um, and really inspiring. So thank you so much for coming on today and for sharing such important words of Torah um, that really, I think, will speak to everyone, especially today in today's world. And I think that's such an important thing to take Torah and the world we live in, society, ourselves, our relationships and all of that and put them together. It's really, really important. And it was really great to hear so much about that. Um, on Desert Island Torah. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.